a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. That is exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm very excited for you to meet them. So um, on the third floor of the Library of Congress out in Washington, D.C., there's a quote beautifully sort of inscribed uh, on the third floor in the rotunda um, from Francis Bacon that says, uh, readeth, or no, reading, not readeth, reading maketh a full man, conference a ready man, and writing an exact man. And uh, by that account, today's guest is a very exacting man. He's a writer, both by trade and by avocation, which we'll speak to in a little bit here, uh, with a gift for words in both the written and the spoken sense. Uh, seriously, when this guy starts talking here in a little bit, you are really going to wish that he hosted this podcast and not me. <clears throat> so, um, and But anyway, he's put his gifts of, uh, of prose and of presentation uh, to great use over the course of a, of a long career as a broadcaster, a journalist, uh, and as an educational consultant. Um, and, uh, and I know this isn't his first time around a, a podcast track either. So now speaking of those, uh, avocational efforts that I mentioned earlier and following a legacy of authors who, uh, who write under, or who have written under pseudonyms, uh, like uh, Agatha Christie, C.S. Lewis, J.K. Rowling, today's guest, uh, pens a very poignant, uh, and funny and sometimes, you know, a little edgy, uh, blog. Uh, under the pseudonym of George Churchgoer for his faith community out at uh, Grace United Church of Christ in Spring Mills, Pennsylvania, uh, which is actually uh, in which one of his latest entries uh, was entitled, You and Jesus Walk Into a Bar, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so please welcome today's man a man. Sorry to blow uh, your cover, uh, George uh, uh, oh, Churchgoer, Mr. Scott, Mr. Scott Geezy. Hello, Scott. Well, James Bond always said, I'm James Bond, James Bond. He just comes right out and says it. So you just came right out and said it, so that's fine. I'll live. There you go. There you go. Well, it's great. Great uh, great to have you on the show. Thank and, you. Uh, it's been something that I've really looked forward to. So, hey, let's so let's start. There's so much to talk about, and we'll get, we'll get into your childhood and family and all that kind of stuff. But I want to start with the blog because um, it's, it's, it's really, you know, as we were talking uh, before we started rolling here, it's, it's kind of how – you know, you and I made this connection. You know, we've been working together for a while, but but uh, but it was neat when we started kind of sharing uh, kind of this connection. And uh, and you've obviously been blessed and and very well trained uh, with a lot of legitimate you know kind of journalism uh, chops. I think that's what all you journalists say. You got chops. But uh, but when did you start um, sharing that uh, with 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 the church? When did you start writing for uh, writing for the big guy? Well, writing for the big guy. That's one way to put it. Um, well, first off, I'm not exactly young, all right? I'm leaning more toward the old side. Um, I live in central Pennsylvania, right smack in the middle of the state. Go grab a map, find the middle of the like right in the middle of PA. That's where I live. And uh, it's a very rural area for the most part. 
And I attend and have attended for many years a small country church, and by small uh, pre-COVID standards, all right, in other words, when you could actually go to church safely and not worry about it, um, you know, on an average Sunday, we might have 40 parishioners in the church. That was it, okay? So, I mean, we we make enough money, you know, to get the bills paid and all that sort of stuff, but it's a small, quiet country church. And I like it that way. Uh, I like, you know, I've been to many churches in my in my time, although it's been a while. When when I was younger, and we might talk about my folks later on because they're they've always been my inspiration. But when I was a boy, uh, sometimes we would go to other churches because Dad wanted to, um, and so we would go to a brethren church. Sometime we did that once, and we would go to a Presbyterian church, and we would go to some other church. Um, one time we drove all the way to Lynchburg, Virginia, cause dad wanted to go to, uh, to Jerry Falwell's church, which is one of the, oh, wow. you know, mega churches, big giant yeah. place, televisions and the yeah. whole nine yards. Um, but this is a small country church, which I prefer. And I've always enjoyed writing that's never changed. And several years ago, um, uh, the denomination of the church is United Church of Christ, or UCC. Uh, they offered a deal to churches to start a website. And so they were sort of the go-between with this uh, website company um, called Ministry Designs. And they gave us just a killer price. I mean, just you cannot beat this price, like a monthly rate. It was ridiculously low. And the church decided, we want to start a website. So we did. And, uh, you know, it's one of these drag and drop, if you know how to make websites, it's one of these drag and drop things. It's very easy to put together. And as we were forming this thing, um, somebody had the thought, you know, hey, we should have a blog on here. And I thought, yeah, that, that's a good idea. We really should do that. A blog is an opportunity to do some outreach between Sundays, all right. For most folks, when they think of church, it's Sunday morning, and okay, then there's six and a half days or seven days, and then Sunday morning again, and that's the only time they do anything churchy. Well, what if we could have some outreach during the week? And uh, I remember I went to our pastor at the time, and I said, you interested in writing something? It would be kind of cool. I think people would like that. She said, sure. She said, and I said, I'd like to write something. Okay, go ahead. So that was four years ago now. And, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's been a fast four years. Wow. But I was going to say, did you know you were signing up for a four year uh, gig at no, the time? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. But you know, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, it, it's kind of, it, it's, it's inspiring to me. Um, I've had a bunch of people over the last several years, like Scott, where do you keep getting these ideas for these blog posts? And my answer is, I don't know. They just yeah. come to me. And I said, I'm not, I'm no genius. I'm dumb as a brick. Something somewhere <laughs> is the inspiration. Now I'd like to think I have some talent all right, a little bit at least. Um, but somehow I'll grab onto an idea every week and some angle, maybe something I saw or something I experienced or something I heard um, or, and so on. And then I'll think, okay, what would my take on that be? And then boom, off I go. There it goes. And the words just kind of flow off my fingers on my laptop. 
and about two and a half to three pages later, I'm done. Um, yeah. And I give all the credit to the Lord on this one. Um, again, I'm no genius, not by a mile. Somehow, I think he instills me with an idea and essentially kind of points me in a direction like, go that way. Okay. Yeah. And he'll throw out some inspiration maybe for me. It could be something that jumps right in my face, or it could be something that I kind of see in passing like, well, that's interesting. That would be a good topic. Yeah. Let's run with that. Now, you mentioned my nom de guerre, which is George Churchgoer. <laughs> and I've had a number of people say, Scott, why do you do that? Well, here's why. I'm not ordained. I'm not an official anything as far as the church is concerned, right? I'm not anything. I am a layman. And it's one thing for the minister to write a post. She's official. We have a, we have a female minister. She's official. All right. She's got the, the, the sheepskin on the wall and the, and the whole bit. All right. I don't have anything. And so for me to write, if you will, definitively, um, a lot of folks would, would say, oh, please, you know, who, who cares about that guy? Now, I don't, want to, I don't want to go, all right, let's not go nuts here, okay? But I'm reminded of the story of Jesus in the Gospels early in his ministry when he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. And here he comes in. He's the son of Joseph. Everybody knows him, essentially. He's the son of Joseph. And he goes into the, the church, the synagogue, and he does some readings and does some preaching and essentially declares himself as the Messiah. And, of course, if you remember the story, people were outraged, like, come on, this kid's this Joseph's kid. Who, what's he think he is now? What? And they were going to go throw him off a cliff you know, in that story before Jesus finally kind of calms things down and just leaves town. And so here's somebody who's, you know, very well known in that community. It's like, no, that guy can't be. No. And so as I'm writing this for my local church audience, the, the thought here is, you know, that's just Scott, you know, what does he know? And so I decided, eh, let's have some fun. And so uh, I write most, not all, but I write most pieces under the, the name of George Churchgoer. All right, Churchgoer is obvious. George was my father's first name. Oh, and, I didn't know that. And That's so cool. um, I just put that down there because as when I write as George, it kind of opens me up to say whatever I want, essentially, uh, within reason, of course. I can say mm -hmm. whatever I wish. Uh, if I put my name on it, which I every now and then I'll write a very personal piece and put my name on it, then everybody knows, okay, this is Scott now talking, the person that I see every Sunday morning at church. To my knowledge, nobody's met George Churchgoer yet, I don't think, <laughs> unless, unless they spent too much time at that bar you mentioned. Um, they, haven't, they haven't met George yet, all right, which is fine with me. You, you mentioned some authors there. I mean, the one that comes to mind for me, of course, is Mark Twain. Sure. All right. Samuel Clemens. Yeah. Um, right. Most school kids would not know Samuel Clemens. They would know Mark Twain. So I thought, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to do a Mark Twain here. And so I've been doing yeah. that for no. about four years now. I love it. And I love, uh, there's so much about that. I love, I love the humility. I love, you know, the, you know, the prophet being regarded everywhere, but his hometown and, and just the, the thought that you put into it. Um, 
because uh, and I, I would imagine that it has given you uh, you know a little bit, even though it's a sounds like a fairly intimate community there, so they everyone knows who George is. But I think it, it, I'm wondering if it does give you a little bit of that um, license because you know as I mentioned in your intro and for those um, you really should check out Scott's writing because he's just an amazing writer, but you're, but you are, um, you know, I don't want to say, I, I shouldn't say edgy, but I mean, you're, you're very, you're not the typical church writer. Okay. No. So just, if, so for folks listening, check it out. Here are some of the, I mentioned the, you know, Jesus walks into a bar, but here are some other, here's, here's some other titles of some of your uh, posts. Uh, let's return to our favorite uh, game show. Um, uh, here's your best noise canceling device. And, uh, and here's one of my favorites, uh, uh, some advice on throwing stones. And so even just by the way, and, and obviously I've, I've read, I've read your stuff and you write with a very, um, uh, you know, non, I mean, it, it's very, it's very re- reverent. I mean, you're not irreverent at all. You're, you're a very deeply rooted, um, you know, Christian writer, but I would say that you write, you write like a normal guy. You know what I mean? Like you write, in, you write the way people want to read. And so I'm wondering, how, how have you ever gotten sideways on anything? Like have you ever, have you ever, you know, crossed or gotten close to a line where people are like, eh, okay, that was a little like when you were talking about Jesus, maybe having a girlfriend. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, have you ever gotten any feedback where it's like, okay, uh, okay, you're maybe stretching us a little bit here, or has has the reaction been, you know? Uh, sort of uniformly positive. I, actually, the yes, that last part. It, it, very rarely I've ha- had somebody say Scott seriously or something like that, <laughs> or George seriously, really. Um, and there are so many devotionals out there, and I'm not knocking any of them. All right, I mean there are books full of them, there are magazines full of them, there are online posts full of them. Uh, my company that I work with um, does sort of a regular thing, if not every day, like every couple of days or something. And, you know, it's just inspirational um, uh, Bible verses with some little like two or three paragraph blurb from some author about why it's important. And and there's nothing wrong with those, nothing at all. But to me, in some sense, they're all the same. They're all usually mm-hmm. solemn or without really all that much humor, um, I could use the word maybe dry. And so when George <laughs> and I are writing, the, the, one of the goals is I don't want to write like that. Um, yeah. I've always been a big believer in you write the way you speak. Uh, that's the easiest way to write. You know, if you try to be some highbrow formal you know, maybe if you're a college professor or something that works or some professional novelist or something like that, but that's not me. When I write, I write as I speak. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives me some license to be a little freer. Yes. Yeah, sometimes a little edgy, always try to inject some humor, you know, not, not belly laugh humor, but just sort of a zinger type humor with the idea that, you know, sometimes in life you just have to kind of loosen up a little bit. And, you know, don't go too far, obviously. I, I know there are limits, and I always respect those limits. But sometimes you just have to write a little differently. And so when I write my posts pretty much every week during the year, a few weeks off here and there, um, I always try to keep that in mind. I'm talking to somebody. 
and it's it's more of a I'm talking to them. I'm not necessarily talking at them. I think mm-hmm. there are plenty of writers out there. They don't talk to you. They talk at you. Um, you know, I, I'm a lifelong broadcaster since I was a senior in high school. And as I was growing up and early in my career, as long as I can remember, really until the day he passed, one of my favorite broadcasters was Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey is one of the greatest radio broadcasters ever. And he had a daily news show for about 15 minutes a day. And he also had a, a feature that he called the rest of the story, which was just fascinating stuff. Paul Harvey would tell these stories about famous people or events, but angles you didn't know existed, but they were there as true. They weren't made up. And he wrote it and he delivered it in such a way that he was talking to you, not at you. All right. You can turn on any cable channel anytime you want, if it's a news channel or ESPN or whatever, and you get a whole lot of people talking at you, my opinion. I think it's really cool when you come across that person who it's much more like they're talking to you, either they're a friend, they're an acquaintance, they're a neighbor, and it feels good to listen to that person. You may not necessarily agree with them, but they don't turn you off. It's just someone, a friend, whatever, offering you an opinion. And so when I write my pieces, when George writes his pieces, um, the idea is we want to talk to folks down at a sort of a, if you will, a common denominator level, not dumbed down, not, nothing like that, but a common denominator level so that no matter who reads this piece, they're going to get something out of it. I don't care if you're some highbrow person or if you're somehow at the opposite end, whatever your race is, wherever you live, all that sort of thing. I try to keep that common denominator of this is something that I think that's worth talking about. And the idea is yeah. we're talking about it, not with big words, yeah. not well, with flowery language, just here's the right. message and let's have well, some and fun. Like you say, if- yeah, well, and like you say, from the from what it sounds like, the original inception of the blog in the first place was to create and bring in people uh, that maybe aren't aren't showing up every Sunday. So it's kind of like that connective tissue between the Sundays. Yeah. And so I think that's what I love about the way you're writing is you're 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 inviting other people, presumably, to just engage. You know, and and so so many times I think. I think that's all it takes is just something, you know, and, and if, and if you get it with a, you know, semi provocative headline, you know, that people might look at and go, Oh, wait a minute, Jesus and a guy walk into a bar. Hang on. I got to read that, <laughs> you know, well, like that, that could be it. That could be the way that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, the flock, uh, the flock grows, you know? Well, for folks that are really into marketing, all right. And you and I sort of <laughs> share that a little bit, you know, if it's an email message or a blog post or something similar, um, yes, when you can have the so-called provocative headline that'll grab somebody's eyeballs, like what? Oh, I want to read this, you know, then, right. I mean, uh, a, a couple <clears throat> of years ago, I had one where, uh, you know, uh, I can't remember the exact name, but I mentioned the F word. In, in the, wow. in the, in the title, the F word. Now I, I spelled it F word. And of course, in this case, uh-huh. the F word was forgiveness. Uh, Not that see. other one. 
Come on. You got you, it. Come on. Come on, Jeff. Clickbait yeah. right there. Right. Nice job. Well done. But of course, um, <laughs> and of course, with gadgets and gizmos and programs, you can kind of keep track uh, sometimes, you know, how many people are reading this and so on. And yes, uh, if I go back and look, if I go back far enough, I think that that post with the with the F word title was one of the most mm-hmm. hit posts of any of them. <laughs> sure. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I and so, that. yeah, when I that's wrote great. the recent one, uh, you and Jesus walk into a bar. When I when I posed that, I thought, okay, this is going to get some. No doubt. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt about it. Uh, and sure enough, I it love did. it. So there we go. That's good. That's awesome. Well, hey, let's you you mentioned your dad, and I did not know that he was the namesake of the uh, of the pseudonym. Um, and and what a cool story about growing up and having uh having a father who was so interested and curious and, and, and invested in faith that, you know, he's driving you guys all around the country. So talk about, talk, let, let's go back. Let's go way back to the geezy upbringing. What was it like? Was it, was church? It sounds like church and religion was always kind of part of the, yes part of the fabric there. Um, and so is that just from, from the time you were born, that's just the way it was, or was there, was there a, was there a moment that it became a thing? Um, well, first I'll say parents, not just dad. All right. I'll say parents. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother just passed away last January, January in 2020, thankfully before this virus showed up. Um, yeah. she was 92. Um, oh, my father sadly passed back in 2000. He was only 75 at the time. Um, but as I was growing up, mom and dad were always people of faith, quiet, strong, people of faith. You know, we went to, back then I was Lutheran. I grew up Lutheran. And, you know, we went to sort of a standard Lutheran church. All right. We didn't go to some, you know, and I'm not knocking this. All right. But a church where people kind of yell and scream and, 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 you know, shake around and all that sort of thing. And that's fine. You can do that. That's, that wasn't my upbringing. Okay. Um, but I mean, I remember when I was just a little boy, you know, mom was the soprano in the church choir. Um, my father, not long before he passed, stopped teaching Sunday school after 48 years of it, 48 years as an adult Sunday school teacher. And I lead a Sunday school class now, an adult Sunday school class. And I have for a number of years in part by watching what he did. It was important for him. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for me. Um, yeah. And my folks were, first off, I mean, again, I'm not young. I'm leaning on the old side now. My parents grew up in the Depression and World War II. And so they were part of that group that we usually call the greatest generation. These were quiet, hardworking, get-it-done people. They weren't rich. Mm-hmm. All right. We're not talking lots of money. N- never had that when I was growing up. None. But they were just quiet people of faith that were leaders. I mean, my mom was, you know, ladies auxiliary at church and some similar things in the community. That's what she did. She was a senior center director when I was a teen. Um, and she was the person that ran the local senior center. Lots of folks came and they played games and had fun and had a nice lunch and, uh, you know, had speakers and played bingo and just had a great time. Mom led that for, I don't know how many years, a bunch, a lot of years. My mom was a person, she had a stroke when she was 85 and she lasted, you know, she lived the last, 
essentially seven years of her life as an essentially an invalid because the stroke really threw her for a loop. Uh, the family took care of her. But I mean, almost to the end, here's someone in her mid eighties that she was going to the senior center. Now she was going to the senior center, but when she would get there, she would want to cook. She would want to set up the room. She was the bingo <laughs> caller. You see yeah. what I'm getting at? She just didn't go yeah. and sit. She had to go and do stuff. Right. She wanted to be useful. Yeah. On my dad's side, I mean, dad was a church council president multiple times, adult Sunday school teacher, uh, a mentor, you know, when I was younger, a mentor for, you know, kids. Um, and what's interesting, one thing I remember from growing up is uh, mom and dad and I, and I have older siblings, but they're much older than me. So by the time I hit mm. about five or six years old, they were already out of the house on their own. So, um, in a sense, I was an only child, not, not officially, but when I was young, mom and dad and I would like to go camping, um, at local campgrounds, um, within reasonable driving distance of where we lived. And we used to go every Memorial day, pretty much every 4th of July and every labor day. All right. Memorial day was roughly the end of the school year. Labor day is roughly the beginning of the new school year. And of course the 4th of July is in the middle there. And without fail, no matter what campground we went to, we would, you know, you check in, you get the, to the office and you check in and dad would ask, Hey, are you having a service on Sunday here? Hmm. Now, sometimes the answer was yes. Yes, we are. Okay, great. Thank you very much. But sometimes the answer was, well, we actually don't have anything scheduled. Dad would always volunteer. Would you like wow. me to lead a service? And all, and the answer was always, yes, we'd love that. That'd be great. And so when I was growing up, there were a number of times where mom and dad would leave a Sunday, lead a Sunday service somewhere in the campground. And I was, of course, the little guy. I'm in the front row watching all this. Yeah. Um, huh. I'm like eight years old, 10 years old, 13 years old, and so on. And mom would sing, and dad would read the scriptures, and then he would have some type of a like a message or a sermon um, of course, yeah. everybody would sing hymns, very familiar hymns that everybody would know. And, you know, that was it. It wasn't long, but it was something. Those yeah. were the kind of pe people my parents were. They were quiet people of faith, unassuming. Yes, I'd use the word humble. Um, yeah. And they tried everything they could do to help lead their church, to be faithful stewards, and to believe. Now, when I was a kid, you know, a kid is a kid, you know, I'm riching around and sleeping sometimes and, you know, that sort of stuff. But as I grew older, I kind of, it, it's like what osmosis, it just sort of started to sink in a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And <laughs> then when I graduated from college and, and, uh, moved to close to where I live now doing for a job, um, you know, over time there was, there was a period of time when I didn't go to church. Um, I was too wrapped up in my career and, and that sort of thing. Got married, um, moved to the house that I'm sitting in right now as I'm talking to you. And over time, I thought, I need to go back to church. Yeah. It's, it's time. And I found a local church and, you know, a new neighbor invited us. And that was over 30 years ago now. And one thing led to another, but I find myself sounding like my father and emulating my father on too many occasions. 
which I consider now, now, to be when, a good thing. When you thing. came back to the church, yeah, when you came back to the church then, um, after after being away, you know, you mentioned that you grew up Lutheran, and and now you know you're um, you're part of a different faith tradition. Was that the kind of the inflection point where where you you know made a change, or or had you over or prior to that had you kind of started looking at other types of traditions that maybe were a better kind of fit for you? Well, young people are young people. They're full of themselves in a lot of cases, not, <laughs> not, not, not every case. All right. But in a lot of cases and you know, your job takes precedence. Um, having fun takes precedence, you know, that sort of thing. But over a period of time, I just thought there, there's a little something missing here. And I looked back at my past and I looked at my folks and I thought, I think I know what it is. And when, a, like I said, a neighbor invited us to attend their church, I just said, all right, let's go. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we went, my wife and I went, and we already knew a number of people in the congregation because it was nearby, it was local. And I thought, all right, I'm going to keep doing this. And one thing just kind of slowly led to another at one point, at this one church I attended, we started an adult Sunday. Uh, we started a young adult Sunday school class. In other words, people in their primarily in their twenties or maybe thirties, um, and then the, if you will, the old folks kind of had their own Sunday school class. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But I think when I started doing that class, it kind of hit me that hey, I'm I'm dad. I'm doing yeah, what, I'm doing what dad does, and. Yeah. I liked it. And the way I do my Sunday school class, I do not teach it. I just lead it. And we do some great discussions upon just topics. Uh, you know, well, there's always like a lesson guide of some kind. No, we're not winging it. There's a lesson guide there. But I like those kinds where you get, throw out some questions and get some discussion going. And, you know, sometimes I say, look, there's no right or wrong answer to this question. Just what's your opinion? To get people to think about the Gospels, to get them to think about certain Bible stories, to get them to think about Jesus and what he did here and here and here, or things from the Old Testament too and stuff like, why did that happen? Um, that's the way I, pr- I like to lead a Sunday school class. It's definitely not lecture and teaching. Ugh, nobody wants that. It's more of a discussion. And I'm very fortunate right now. I have a, a sort of a loyal class in the midst of COVID, we do it, of course, on Zoom every Sunday morning at 930. And we have a decent number of people who tune in, and most of them are willing to turn their cameras on. And uh, and not you know, we tell everybody, make sure you're wearing pants. Okay, you got to wear pants. <laughs> and yeah, you got to bring your own beverage. Pants. We don't care what it is, but you got to bring your own beverage. And you got to bring your own Bible. And let's talk. And so even in, this era, and I, yeah. even in this era of viruses, we still find a way to connect. Yeah. Well, and I love the connection between the way you're approaching this class and the way you write. And I just, I think, and what's so great, it's, it's uh, just hearing you talk about your parents and, and just this, you know, real you know, steadfastness of them where it's just, it's not the reason it wasn't a big deal for them or it didn't seem like a big deal for them is because it was just part of their very being. You know, it's like, it's Sunday, 
we do church on Sunday. Doesn't matter if we're in the mountains or if we're at home. And so, what I love about the story that you, that you're telling about your upbringing is, you know, you were blessed with that sort of conditioning, you yes. know. And then what you're, and now what you're doing now, and this is a whole other podcast episode. But now, as as both of us, I mean, we're not we're not that much far apart in age. I mean, now we're dealing with a world that is not as grooved in those behaviors in those virtues uh, in in the in the unquestionable like what do you do on sunday you know i mean we both were able to grow up in similar environments where you know it was an unquestioned uh, <laughs> type type of thing you know sunday was for certain things and now unfortunately we're not we're not dealing with that um and so what i love about what you're doing now is you're finding a way to 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 engage and, and this is such a cliche, but, you know, meet people where they are, you know, talk to them how they want to be talked to, write the way they want to read. And, yeah. and it, it is the same thing your dad did. It's exactly the same thing. It's just in a different way. It's dealing with the different, you, you're dealing with a different constituency than, than what your dad was dealing with. You know what I mean? Um, but it's the same spirit and it's just, it's beautiful. Yes. I, I agree with, I agree with all of that. Yes. All right. Well, we, we literally could, and we're, you know, I'm going to, before we leave, we're going to book, we're going to book episode number two here before you go. But uh, for episode number one with, uh, with George Sturchgore, we have now made it to the, uh, to the fun segment. Uh, and uh, for those that have uh, listened to episodes in the past, thank you very much. Um, but you know that we, uh, we close every episode with the same three questions of every guest. Uh, and the, uh, as opposed to all the other stuff that we've talked about, of which Scott didn't know anything we were going to talk about tonight. Um, he has known these questions. Okay. Every guest knows exactly what I'm going to uh, say next. So if they, uh, and this won't be the case with Scott, but you know, if they do fumble or if they, Oh, that's a really good question. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, that just means they weren't prepared. Okay. So here, here we go. A uh, fun se segment. Um, question number one, if Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow, and uh, just wanted to hang out for the day. What would you do with him? Well, again, you spilled the beans on me because I had this piece I wrote called "You and Jesus Walk Into a Bar." Now, <laughs> when it, when you read the whole piece, the the first half of it, or I think, is the basic premise: What if Jesus was with you for a day? What would you do with him? And I mention a whole bunch of different things. You know, would you take him to work? Would you introduce him to your coworkers? Yep, even that one you don't like, All right? That guy over there. Um, you know, <laughs> would you would you take him here? Would you take him there? Uh, would you take him on vacation with you? You know, would you say, "Hey, Jesus, you mind setting the table? We're going to have dinner." Um, and then, of course, you know, you and Jesus walk into a bar, and I I wrote that thinking. I know there's some folks out there they're going to think, "Well, Jesus would never go into a bar." You know, Jesus didn't drink. And of course, then toward the tail end of, of the piece, I had to remind folks that, well, you know, we do remember the story about the wedding at Cana, where Jesus mm -hmm. ended up yeah. essentially being the bartender. So why couldn't Jesus go into a bar? And so frankly, if he was with me, I'd take him into a bar. Now, you know, uh, when I go into a bar, I have one beer, okay? I'm not quite a teetotaler, but I'm not at the other direction. I have one beer, if I'm in a really good mood, maybe two beers, and then I draw the line. That's it. 
So I'm going to assume Jesus would probably do the same thing. But why can't we crack open a beer with Jesus? If he can make all that wine for the folks at the wedding, I think he wouldn't have a problem with a beer. So there we go. Well, That's what I, I would agree. do with him. Yeah, it, no, I love it. And I think, I think, I think yeah, you would have you would quickly have the table at the bar. You would, you would be the one where uh, all of a sudden everyone's uh, clamoring. So, all right, uh, fun segment question number two. Uh, if you could go to church with any other guy, uh, living or dead, famous or not, uh, you don't even have to have known this person. You can go all the way back or you can stay in the present. Totally your call. It just has to be a guy uh, and you're going to go to church. Who would you go to church with? My dad. Without question. Yeah. Now, I lost my dad over 20 years ago now. And, you know, for any young men who maybe are listening or whatever, you know, when we're young, we, of course, we think, well, everything's going to stay the same. Nothing's going to change. The, the certain things will always be there. And the simple answer to that question is no, they're not. Um, my father passed rather abruptly. My mother, again, was just seven years after a stroke. I mean, that was heartbreaking. It really was. But my dad passed relatively quickly. He was in the hospital on a weekend. He died on a Tuesday night. I can still hear my mother calling me on the phone to let me know, and she just shrieked into the phone that night. It was a Tuesday night. She shrieked into the phone. He's gone. He's gone. And, of course, I sat there just totally dumbfounded. And ever since then, on, on occasion, I'll think back and I'll think, Scott, why didn't you do this with dad? Why didn't you tell him you loved him more? Why didn't you do this? And of course, 20 years gone, I, I can do that to the air because I'm pretty sure he's in heaven, but he's not sitting next to me. I would give almost anything to go to a church service with my dad because now I think it has more importance and impact and realization than I ever had when I was young. Back then it was just, okay, yeah. let's go to church. Come on. That sort of thing. And of course, when I moved out after college and so on, well, that was it. I essentially didn't go to church with my parents anymore because I was on my own. I would give almost anything to go to a simple church service with my dad, sing, sing a couple of hymns, um, see his reactions to the message, you know, the sermon and whatever that day, um, and so on. And just maybe just sit there and just watch him, which I did when I was younger, but I didn't realize it. Now this would be a lot more intentional. If I could do that, Jeff, I'd, I'd jump at the yeah. chance. Maybe, well, and, and, maybe someday. Know, yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you talk about also just, uh, just beautiful story of, of your dad, again, driving you around as a kid to all these different churches. I just, you know, for, for, for all of the different churches that, that he exposed you to, you know, kind of out of his own curiosity, but, but also knowing that it was really, really important for you to be seeing those. I just, I guarantee you, if he was sitting in your church today, that little 40 person church that he would be as like, that's the church. You know what I mean? It's, it's I almost like that's, that's the one he was looking for, you know? I, and I'd agree and with uh, that, yes. yeah, that's so cool. Um, all right. Fun segment, question number three, and you've mentioned, uh, you've, you've alluded to, you know, younger 
men, the younger generation, uh, a couple of times here. And, and I, I, I'm almost certain that you've actually, uh, this, this is not a, a simply uh, or strictly rhetorical question here. <laughs> uh, so qu- fun segment question number three, if you could give some advice to a younger man, um, after all, this is manna. I'm going to talk about men and how we can all get a little bit better about being confident in our faith, Comf- comfortable and confident. So if you could give any piece of advice to a younger man about, you know, just living a life of faith, just like yours, comfortable, confident, you know, not, not over the top. It's just, and, and like your dad, you know, just, it's just part of, it's part of living. What would that one piece of advice be? Um, well, the world has always been a challenging place. That's never changed. It's always been in many ways, a very challenging place. And then the next step is for people of faith, it's a very challenging place. Now, I could argue it's more challenging now than it has been in the past for a host of reasons. And sometimes, you know, you look at young people, and of course, if you follow statistics from especially main, so-called mainline churches, um, which my, my denomination, UCC, is one of those, Lutheran, Presbyterian, uh, Methodist, you know, the mainlines, Church attendance before the virus was already trending down. Fewer people were going to services. I've told folks, uh, you know, from my Sunday school class, once we eventually get back to so-called normal, I really want to see the effect of attendance. Will it go down even more? Because now for a year, people have had Sunday mornings to, I don't know, stay home, I guess, um, I mean, they can do Zoom or YouTube or some things like that. Okay, it's not the same. I'm going to no. be curious to see what the reaction is once this is eventually all over on church attendance. But mm-hmm. I, I guess the thought I would have for, for young men is you need to have the realization the world is not on your side. As a person of faith, the world is not on your side. Now, I could argue it never has been. It isn't now, and it almost certainly never will be. The world has its secular challenges, and man, there are a lot of those right now. It could be that cell phone, smartphone in your pocket that people, you know, so many people like to play with and play on all the time. La, 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 la. It's ama- I, I can only imagine how much time is wasted on smartphones, and I do it sometimes. We all do. You know, if you have one of those, you do. But the realization from your area of faith that the world is not on your side and you need to acknowledge that because as a person of faith in various ways, you're going to face attacks. You're going to face challenges. In some cases, you may, you may face ridicule. Now, again, this really isn't nothing new. Uh, people of faith have been dealing with this forever and can go back to the Romans, for goodness sakes, 2000 years ago, you know, in the Colosseum and the lions and all that sort of stuff. Um, we Christians have faced these challenges forever. They're different now. Nobody's getting thrown in a Colosseum or anything like that, but it is extremely challenging now to be a Christian. And in my opinion, it's becoming increasingly challenging and it's very easy to be sort of seduced by the world, by the secular world. And yeah. that covers so much ground. 
that to be a really strong person of faith, you need to realize that it's not unbeatable. I mean, it's not that you have no chance that it's hopeless. There's plenty of hope out there. Jesus is hope incarnate. But we need to realize that it's a challenge out there. Am I up to the challenge? And hopefully the answer is yes. And it's not a Christianity like beat them over the head Christianity, like, you know, the Spanish Inquisition or something like that. No, it's kind of a quiet, solid faith that I know what I believe. I know what I believe in. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. When I look around at this great creation of ours, I know where it came from, ultimately. And I'm just going to stay the course. There are so many winds blowing from different directions right now in society and the world at large that sometimes you're on that ship and you feel kind of buffeted in the waves like some Bible stories and so on. We need to make sure that we have our eyes right out in front of us, actually not out in front of us, out in front of us and looking up a little bit. Never forget yeah, the looking. Right, exactly. Right. Never forget the looking up a little bit. All right. Now you don't want to look straight up because then you'll start smashing into things, which we see these goofy <laughs> you see these goofy YouTube videos of people tripping yeah. over each other and with whatever. their phone. That's yeah, what they're looking, they're looking at their, their dumb phone, right? <laughs> you you want to be looking ahead, but you want to be looking up a little bit because then you can always still see what's in front of you, but you realize what's most important is that area up there. And I think if you do something like that and use that as sort of a guide, you'll be fine. You'll be just fine. Amen to that. Well, well said, uh, well spoken. And um, thank you very much for being on the show, Scott. It was great. This was fun and valuable for me, Jeff. So I appreciate the invitation. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.